Hi, y'all. Welcome back. We are going to continue on our trek through First Kings in chapter 9 with King Solomon. King Solomon had just had the prayer of dedication and dedicated the temple to God that he had just finished building. And God responds to Solomon in chapter 9. And let's go ahead and see what God says in verse 1. So Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything that he had planned to do. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had done before in Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your petition. And that's a cool thing about God is we always know that God hears us. Um, continuing on, I have set this temple apart to be holy. This place you have built where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. And this temple is the temple that he built in Jerusalem. In verse four, he says, God says, as for you, if you follow me with integrity and godliness, as David, your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your destiny over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father, David. One of your descendants will always sit on the throne of Israel. And he's saying, if you obey me, I will honor you in this. And we know that the descendants will always sit on the throne because Jesus does. And he, he refers back to that a lot. In verse 6, God continues talking to Solomon and says, But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees that I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot Israel from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I'll make Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled and will gasp in horror. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, because his people abandoned the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and they worshipped other gods instead and bowed down to them. That is why the Lord has brought all these disasters on them. And this is, this is a conditional promise. Like if he fails, it, it will lead to the failure of all of Israel. And he's, he's, God is warning King Solomon here saying, look, Follow me with all your heart, soul, and mind, or this is what's going to happen. And um, it's a conditional promise. Like, if if King Solomon walks with God, he will be the new head of this promise that the Lord has promised through this lineage. And it's very has a very similar dynamic to the Abrahamic covenant and to the Mosaic covenant where they work together and God promised the seal of David that the seal of David would rule forever to establish the throne forever in this lineage. Like God is going to bring it forth and he's he's telling King Solomon, look, I want to bring this forth with you if you if you follow me. This is what's going to happen. But if you don't, this is what's going to happen. He lays it out pretty clear here for King Solomon. 
So let's go ahead and see what King Solomon does next in verse 10. It took Solomon 20 years to build the Lord's temple and his own royal palace. At the end of that time, he gave 20 towns in the in the land of Galilee to King Hiram of Tyre. Hiram had previously provided all the cedar and cypress timber and gold that Solomon had requested, that original deal they had talked about. In verse 12, But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the towns Solomon had given him, he was not at all pleased with them. What kind of towns are these, my brother? he asked. So Hiram called that area Kabul, which means worthless, as it is still known today. Nevertheless, Hiram paid Solomon 9,000 pounds of gold. He wasn't happy with the arrangement, but he's like, eh, whatevs. In verse 15, it continues. This is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon conscripted to build the Lord's temple, the royal palace, the supporting terraces, the wall of Jerusalem, and the cities of Hazar, Megiddo, and Gizar. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had attacked and captured Gizar, killing the Canaanite population and burning it down. He gave the city to his daughter as a wedding gift when she married Solomon. So Solomon rebuilt the city of Gizar. He also built up the towns of Lower Beth-Horon, Belath, and Tamar in the wilderness within his land. He built towns as supply centers and constructed towns where his chariots and horses could be stationed. He built everything he desired in Jerusalem and Lebanon and throughout his entire realm. There were still people living in the land who were not Israelites, including the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. These were descendants of the nations whom the people of Israel had not completely destroyed. So Solomon conscripted them as slaves, and they served as forced laborers to this day. But Solomon did not conscript any of the Israelites for forced labor. Instead, he assigned them to serve as fighting men, government officials, officers, and captains in his army, commanders of his chariots and charioteers. Solomon appointed 550 of them to supervise the people working on his various projects. Solomon moved his wife, Pharaoh's daughter, from the city of David to the new palace he had built for her. Then he constructed the supporting terraces. Three times each year, Solomon presented burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he had built for the Lord. He also burned incense to the Lord, and he finished the work of building the temple. King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at, at Ezion-Geber, a port near Elath, in the land of Edom, along with the shore of the Red Sea. Hiram sent experienced crews of sailors to sail the ships with Solomon's men. They sailed to Ophir and brought back to Solomon some 16 tons of gold. So what's interesting as he's talking about all these achievements that Solomon is all of a sudden doing, like he's done with the temple, so he's out doing other things. And I think he's forgotten a few things in his moving on. Um, in Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 19, it lays out very specific guidelines on how to rule as a king in God's instruction for ruling as a king. And he it, it talks about the fact that if you rule as a king, you should not have 
a bunch of horses and especially not horses from Egypt. You shouldn't have a lot of wives or excessive silver and gold. And it looks like Solomon is starting to do the exact opposite here in these chapter in, in these verses of chapter 9. So, as we continue tomorrow, we're going to go ahead and see what he does next as he continues on his journey after the building of the temple and his palace. We'll see y'all then. I hope you all are having a wonderful day.